Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey guys, it's me talking at the start of the podcast in an awkward voice. So you know there's going to be some announcements and it's going to be awkward, but please stick with it and we'll get to the story in a minute. First of all, I'm going to be at PodCon UK, which is happening in the 1st of February at Millennium Point in Birmingham in the UK. Obviously, it's in the name. Um, Have a look at my Twitter at flying underscore fate. You should be able to find it from there. I think that is at Team Pod UK. Should have looked it up. Didn't. It's a fucking professional show we've got here. Second announcement. I'm doing another Q&A episode at the end of this season which is coming up in a couple of episodes in a couple of weeks. So if you have any questions, if you want to say anything, or if you just want to have me and Heather chat about something for too long, let me know. Um, Send it through to me at Flying Fate. If you don't have Twitter, I realise that's the only thing I do. Um, You can send it to me on an email. It's flyinginthefaceoffate, all one word, at gmail.com. Announcement number three, I'm currently running a competition uh, to name some characters in season three, which will be coming in the new year. I'm going to take a little bit of a break, Um, but I want some characters named and I wanted you guys to have a little bit of input. So check out again on Twitter. um, I've got all of the information there. Or again, if you don't use Twitter, email me and I will get the information to you. Last but most certainly not least, I want to give a little bit of a shout out because I got a shout out on his podcast. Um, there's a new audio drama called Blake Sky Private Eye. Um, their Twitter handle is, let me go and check it so I don't give the wrong information. Blake Sky PI on Twitter, which is B-L-A-K-E-S-K-Y-E-P-I. Um, they're an amazing podcast. It's all cosmic horror. Um, but in like a noir setting and it's really fun and you should definitely go and check it out if you haven't already. Um, now we've got through that, let's move on to the podcast. Yay! Lynn had been telling the truth, that he'd be unavailable for a while. Not that Caelan really minded. He had stayed in the house most days, simply taking time to avoid the lines of people visiting. Lynn had been locked away in his office for the last few days, a steady stream of people visiting to pay their respects, or doing business, or both. All Caelan had to do was stay out of sight, and that was something he was incredibly good at. Lynn still somehow found time to leave leftovers in the fridge for him, so he never went hungry. He made his own food one or two times, but he had to be honest, after over a month of luxury, his bland omelettes were somehow even more disappointing than they usually were. The elf was also often there whenever Caelan woke up in the middle of the night, even if he wasn't there when he went to sleep. He'd wake up to find Lynn wrapped around him, resting his head on Caelan's chest and often purring slightly. It had worried Caelan the first time he heard that purr. Even though elves could pick and choose when they purred, 
Half-elves were left with zero control over when and who they purred for. The fact that Lynn was trancing, though, left Caelan to believe that it was purely instinctual. It showed him Lynn's emotions far more reliably than anything else. People only purred when they were well and truly comfortable, unless they were faking it, and Lynn would have to be incredibly talented to fake it while in a trance. It was something that crept up on Kaylin when he really didn't want to think about it. Did Lynn want far more out of this relationship than Kaylin was willing to give? Lynn would always be gone by morning, though, leaving Kaylin to wake up alone of his own accord. He really didn't mind it, he was more than used to waking up alone, but he tried to ignore the side which really missed waking up with someone there. Sometimes Kaelin set himself out into the town, usually disguised. He had found if he went out as himself, people fell silent around him, and it worried him that he was starting to be recognised, even if it was by people who he really didn't care about. Would word of his presence get back to the men who was looking for him? Maybe. But would they be stupid enough to attack what appeared to be a bastion of security? Probably not. They weren't the type of men to go after people they didn't stand a chance against. But when he was disguised, the rumours about Lynn abounded. Whispers of the Chasso curse swirling around, and people really did seem to believe that was what caused Arbeladon's death. It was a pretty good alibi, Caelan had to invent. Not a single person in the city seemed to be suspecting that he was murdered, which was good for him. If everyone attributed a death to some imaginary curse rather than a quick blow to the head and being held underwater until you stop breathing, that was better for everyone. Saying that, though, Caelan was beginning to wonder whether or not the Chasso curse was real. If the whispers about the street were to be believed, there were only two people bearing the Chasso name to be untouched by it, and whether Lynn had already felt the effects of the curse was debatable. His lack of magic, for one, and the way even magic performed by other people tended to lose control around him. Lynn himself would probably say he had never been affected by the curse, but Caelan could tell differently. All of the times he looked longingly at Caelan doing small feats of magic, every time he struggled with something that should have been a simple spell, the time Caelan tried to heal a cut on his hand and only ended up making it worse. If Lynn truly was unaffected by the lack of magic in his life, he had gotten worse and worse at showing it the longer Caelan hung around. Maybe the curse was real, and maybe he should be careful about spending the amount of time he was around Lynn. But the more he thought, the more he wondered whether he should just talk to his mother about looking further into the curse, more for his own sake than anyone else's. His mother was the most powerful magic user he knew, and if she didn't know something about detecting curses, then someone in her clan definitely would. For his own sake, he told himself. No one else's. It had been one of his days out in the town when he came back to Lynn pacing in his office, talking to himself. He was obviously caught up with something, because he didn't even notice Caelan walk past the corridor or poke his head into the room to check it out. Caelan knew that he shouldn't eavesdrop. He did, but it was just too good of an opportunity to pass up, and one that he didn't know when he would have again. 
Lynn was mumbling in Elvish, common Elvish, luckily. Caelan wasn't sure if they shared another variant. It was hard to pick out some words, no matter how close towards him he creeped, but Caelan wouldn't give up just yet. A cousin. Lynn's last living cousin, of course. Caelan had heard word about him from around the town, how he was inheriting all of his father's businesses and fast becoming the richest man in the city. But apparently it wasn't enough. Lynn muttered about how Balin was looking at taking over the universities, becoming the sole owner of all the Chasso Industries. But that would mean either buying Lynn out or straight up killing him. Neither of which Lynn really wanted. The elf was debating to himself whether to let Caelan risk it or whether to hire assassins and... Okay, that one hurt. Caelan didn't want to boast, per se, but he was sure that he was the best man for the job. Having Lynn hire someone else was more than a little hit to his ego. It's not that. I just think it's too big a job for you to do alone, Lynn said, louder this time, and Caelan knew that his game was up. He stood to attention, coming into the room more fully. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to... He started before Lynn waved his hand and collapsed down onto the sofa in his office. Don't worry about it, he responded, kicking his feet up onto the end of the sofa and pushing his shoes off his feet. I don't mind, really. How much did you hear? Caelan sighed, walking over to pick up Lynn's head and shoulders and slip under him to rest him back down on his lap. That you were having problems with your cousin. Yet another bounty on your head? Lynn shook his head, closing his eyes and relaxing down into Caelan's lap. Not yet, but it's looking like there could be soon. I'm debating the advantages of taking him out before he can even put a bounty on me, but that's just straight up murder, right? Makes me as bad as him. Caelan shook his head before realising that Lynn couldn't see him and humming instead. I don't think so. It's more... preemptive retaliation. Lynn giggled at that, stretching his legs out long and pointing his toes. I wanted you to know that... I didn't think you couldn't do it, I'm just... Balin is paranoid. He's fortified his mansion, hired more guards... It's going to be hard for you to get close to him. It's going to require a lot more planning than our Belladon did. Caelan sighed, brushing Lynn's hair off his face gently. So what's the plan then? You're the brains of the operation. Lynn groaned as he wriggled and made himself comfortable on the sofa, eyebrows knitting on his face as he frowned. As far as I can tell, he has four guards. Two that are posted up by the front door, and two that patrol. He will only see people by appointment, and he is incredibly picky as to who he allows to meet him. We need to figure out how to both get in to talk to him, and also manage not to implicate ourselves in his murder. Kaelin shuffled back on the sofa, thinking hard about just how he could do this. Kaelin shuffled back on the sofa, thinking hard about just how he could do this. He would agree to a meeting with you, right? He asked, and was met with Lynn nodding slightly. But then we'd... 
Lynn started, before Kalen gently covered his mouth to shut him up. Let me think it through. So, people are going to know you went in, which means that we're going to have to do a slower means of death, one that kicks in after you leave, one that won't be detected. He tapped his fingers in thought, making hollow noises on Lynn's chest as they wrapped against his shirt. We could get him to kill himself. I mean, he is in a highly stressful situation. He just lost his father. It's always plausible that he could, he finally added, and Lynn hummed loudly as he thought. I could write a note in his handwriting. Suicide is very frowned upon in star elvish society. It's possible they wouldn't really investigate it, so... Yes, maybe. I... I still want to hire someone to help us out. Distract some of the guards so they won't come into his room while you're doing whatever you need to do. I... It's not you, it's... I guess it's paranoia. Kaylin thought for another moment while Lynn stammered before sighing. Micah was actively looking for a job, and there was no one else on this planet who was better at being a distraction than he was. Lynn's whole... Lynn's entire aesthetic was exactly what Micah would enjoy. The flashy house, the expensive presents, the fancy suits. It made him feel bad to say it, but... Maybe it would slow down the relationship that Lynn seemed to be forming in his mind. Not that Kaylin didn't necessarily want it, it was just... It was all very fast, and he wasn't ready for it yet. If you need a distraction, I have the best man for the job. I can get a hold of him, and we can all plan it out together. Lynn nodded, keeping his eyes closed as he relaxed back. Will he be you know, discreet. Kanan thought about that for a second. It was true that Micah had much stronger morals than he did, but hopefully I'll talk to him. He won't let any secrets slip, I can promise that. Kanan sat waiting on the fountain at the front of Lynn's house, just inside the garden's gate. He knew that the elf would be inside watching the two of them carefully, but allowed himself to try and relax. He had known Micah since the other man had been born, and he was someone he could trust with almost anything. Getting him to come along to this job wasn't just a favour for Lynn, it was a favour for Micah as well. It wasn't that he had been struggling finding jobs, per se, but he always seemed to be available whenever Kaelin sent other jobs to him. It wasn't hard to spot Micah as he walked up to the gates. You didn't really see many tieflings in Hirondale, and the red of Micah's skin stuck out among all the elves that Kaelin had gotten used to seeing. The man had his loot strung across his back the same way Kaelin often carried his dulcimer, but instead of the blades that Kaelin used to complement his magic, Micah had a longbow and a quiver of arrows. He waved as soon as he saw Kaelin sitting there, jogging the last few hundred metres and pulling him into a hug. The half-elf couldn't help but smile, tilting his head so the shorter man's horns didn't poke him in the chin. Kaelin! You've been living here? He asked with a bright grin, tail swishing excitedly behind him. I have been living here, yes, he chuckled back, squeezing the tiefling tightly for a second before letting go and leading him into the house. Holy shit, you looked out there, didn't you? The tiefling smirked, trotting alongside him with a stupid grin on his face. Kaelin suddenly realised just how much he had missed it. 
Excuse you, I worked incredibly hard to get here, he retorted before sending Micah an equally wide smile. How's your mum doing? he asked, out of genuine curiosity. The last time he had seen Micah's mother, she had been a wreck, but he hoped that she had been able to recover just a little. She's doing well, as well as can be expected, Micah sighed, adjusting his bag a little. I was a little worried about leaving her, but she said I had to head out and stop worrying over her. You know what she's like. Kaylin nodded. He did know what Cassie was like. Many women he knew had been compared to battle axes, but there was not a single one who it was more correct than for Cassie Blackwood. How are your parents? Micah returned, and Kaylin smiled back, almost happy to move on from the conversation. They're doing well, Kaylin nodded. It wasn't a lie, they had been doing well. Thank you. Uh, we send letters occasionally. It's easier when they can write, you know? Micah nodded. His mother hadn't learnt how to write until he did. Even now, she only wrote the occasional letter in her big, blocky handwriting, with simple words and barely any grammar to speak of. Kaelin always received one on his birthday. Micah simply nodded in return, and fell into step behind Kaelin as he walked into the house. Lynn was stood at the bottom of the stairs in the foyer, dressed to the nines in the sharpest suit Kaelin had ever seen him in. It had been carefully selected the night before, the elf going meticulously through his wardrobe and asking Kaelin over and over again for his thoughts on every single piece that he chose. He had gone for a black suit, like always, but at Kaelin's suggestion had added details of red. A tie, a pocket square and ruby cufflinks that he had said belonged to his father. His hair had been combed out straight, a small braid pulled around the back, but mostly loose. Kaelin knew without looking that Micah would be checking him out. He walked closer with a confident stride that Kaelin had seen him use when he was conducting business, holding his hand out to Micah to shake. Lynn Chasso. Kaelin said you're the best bard in the business. Lynn said, and, wow, Kaelin knew that was the way straight to Micah's heart. Whether Lynn knew that or not was another matter, and one Kaelin didn't really want to think about right now. Micah Blackwood. The tiefling replied, and Kaelin tried to ignore the way his tail whipped at his leg. And I try to be a modest person, but yes, I am the best bard in the business. Kaelin tried not to roll his eyes, simply coughing and stepping slightly further away from Micah so his tail swished harmlessly across the floor instead. Well, Lynn responded with another grin that was guaranteed to have broken any number of hearts in the past. We have some business to discuss, don't we? But first, would you like to join us upstairs? Kaelin knew what Lynn had said wrong instantly. A grin split Micah's face in two, and the half-elf cursed just how oblivious Lynn apparently was. Well, forward. I like it, Micah responded, raising a hand to Lynn's forearm easily. Didn't expect to be asked so soon, but with a face like that, damn, how could I... We're not gonna fuck. Kaelin interrupted, and with that, Lynn suddenly realised just what he had insinuated. His ears dropped in embarrassment, that full-face blush almost making him redder than Micah. He looked mortified, like he had no idea how his words could be construed as anything but innocent. His office is upstairs. He's inviting you to dinner and to talk business. Or do you usually jump into your employer's bed? 
A tad hypocritical, maybe, but who was keeping count? Uh, sorry, Lynn stammered, and Kayla knew he was struggling to keep his composure. Not that I would say no, you're very attractive, it's just... He looked at Kaylin, and the words hung in the air. Lynn didn't know what they were. They had never really discussed if they were exclusive. Sure, Kaylin had snuck out to pick people up in bars, but he wasn't sure about Lynn. Kaylin had always been one to go with the flow, though. Putting a name on things just made it too... permanent. Monogamy was too close to domesticity. It took the half-elf only a second before he decided to end Lynn's misery. We're dating, he grinned, moving past the two men and up the stairs, leaving the bombshell he just dropped to settle in. It would need to be discussed, eventually, but right now they had a job to do. And it would be fun to see how professional Lynn could be after a comment like that. 